0: What, what, what drink do you want? Yeah. Okay. No, I am not asking for water because this is Coyote Ugly on this episode of that song from that movie. I want what every man wants.
1: Oh, what was it? <laughs> I literally watched it earlier. Was is it, it the Punisher comic? No, it wasn't no. that.
0: It was Breakfast. It is Breakfast. Yeah.
1: Well, done. well done. Thank
0: you for joining that song from that movie, the journey through the very best and worst of movie songs. I am your No Coyote, All Ugly host, Dietrich. And as always, we're joined by an ex-kindergarten teacher and a former nun who just escaped from the convent and is tired <laughs> of being the only virgin in New York City Alex, so tired, so tired. I'm genuinely shocked you got that opening.
1: (laughs) Well, like I say, I literally watched it earlier.
2: I've often thought Alex
1: does look a lot like Bridget Moynihan. Mm -hmm. Well, that's That's a compliment. you got the legs, Alex. (laughs)
0: Thanks, I guess. And also with us is the original Coyote, just a small town gal trying to make it in the big bad city, Ben.
2: Yep, and that bad city (laughs) is Norwich. It's very, very bad. <laughs> it's not like pygmy North Dakota or whatever it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's always pygmy. So no, it's always Gary Indiana. That's what most films do. <laughs> poor Gary Indiana, wherever Gar- that is.
1: Yeah, poor Gary.
0: I would like to know in the past fortnight what have you been watching? Cha cha
1: cha. I watched the Banshees of Inisherin Not the Banshee mm-hmm. Inisherin. What do you think? I thought it was good actually. I think uh, one of his best films, Martin McDonagh. You didn't like what you didn't like free billboards, though. I didn't like free billboards. I I kind of semi enjoyed Seven Psychopaths. I can't really remember in Bruges. I think I've seen it, but it was a really long time ago. So I maybe should rewatch that. But I thought it was really good. Yeah, I thought it was. Th- they somehow managed to get so much from so little a premise. <laughs> like I don't think I've ever seen a film <laughs> that just had yeah. so little yeah. way of the story. It was just, like, one really small thing, and they managed to make an entire film of that, which was impressive in itself. And, like, you know he's making some sort of comment about the Irish Civil War. (laughs) I'm not sure exactly what it is, and I could have to watch it a few more times. Colin Farrell does play an Irishman, well. Well, yeah, for once. A
2: a super Irishman. That's why he's been trying all his career to be sort of an American. At least his early career. Is he is he nominated for an Oscar? I he, won, he, he won the golden Glo- well, he won the Golden Globe
1: because he was considered a comedy or musical. So take from that what you will. Yeah. So I watched that. Uh, I also watched the film Emily, which is a film well, about Emily Bronte, hmm. which was watchable. I mean, there was a lot. <laughs> not, that <laughs> does not sell me. You you would no. have to have said that was an absolutely Bobby Dazzler. <laughs> no. It it wasn't it, it was it was good. It was fun and it was a good it was a good watch, but there was a lot of like um I like I, I wouldn't have said I'm one of those people who is like is quite different from a. Uh, you know, there's, there's not a lot of historical accuracy in it. <laughs> there's not like you yeah. but but there were a few like random pot shots at Charlotte Bronte in this film which were random. <laughs> um and the vendetta that most people have. Yeah, but and they also they also inserted this weird kind of like Love story in there that didn't really work with the message of of well it kind of worked with the message of this film but the message of this film wasn't really what you would associate with the Brontes it was kind of odd you have done nothing to sell me this film Alex I'll I'll I'll, I'll tell you right now <laughs> yeah I'm not interested <laughs> yeah well you know a lot of lot of location shots in Yorkshire how much similarities does it have to Coyote Ugly uh, there's a sex scene in both okay of them. yeah so I'm that sexual scene. That's about it. <laughs> That's about it. I watched Babylon.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was a lot. There's a lot of stuff going on in that film. Yeah. Is any
0: of it good, though?
2: Yeah, it is. It's, it is. There's a lot of good, but then it's, it's just so messy. It's so messy. And I don't think it ends well. It's. I think it was quite a good film up until like the the end, and it's just like, I don't know. There's too many strands, and I don't know where to go. It's like, Let's just throw everything in a pot. This is the Damien Chazelle
1: film, yeah. isn't
2: it? Which, yeah. I mean, I generally like Whiplash is awesome. La La Land's awesome. Uh, the first man was decent. Is Ryan Gosling in this film? He's going down. Uh, no, he's going downhill though. There's only one film where you need to look forward to Ryan Gosling, and that is Barbie.
1: <laughs> well, I am
2: looking forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> I am looking forward to why they cast him though. He's like, f- is he like forty now or
1: something? I think he's past his uh his uh, Ken phase. Uh, just 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 while we're talking about the Barbie film, have you seen the the cast and the character list for the Barbie film? I have not. No, there's there's just one thing that really like caught my eye, <laughs> which is just <laughs> Will Ferrell. As like a toy company, it was like, what's the company that makes Barbies? Mattel. Mattel is like Mattel owner, owner of Mattel. I was like, well, how's that going to come? Up? <laughs> 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 yeah, CEO of Mattel. Is it like it's... a Lego movie? Well, sort of I was thing. thinking, like, is that where they've got? they literally got the idea from from the Lego movie. Because it was Will Ferrell in that as well, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's the fact that this is also written by, like, Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, who only writes
2: usually very Jewish, like, talky films. Well, you know, but you in, say like, Central New York. Central New York. Apart from his latest one.
1: Well, no, but do you know the story of, uh, of Noah Baumbach and the uh, marriage story? And that you know, like, like the character in that the Adam Driver character is having this huge exist existential crisis about this play that he's putting on on like off Broadway, right? But yes, actually, yeah. what Noah Bellback was was had just written at that time that he was writing the film to Marriage Story was the script to Madagascar Three. <laughs> really, <laughs> yes. Wow, and that that really puts the film Marriage Story so, in, in a different light. It does.
2: Uh, well, <laughs> you've ruined that one for me. Yeah, there you go. Did you watch that?
0: Uh, so. I haven't watched any films, shock, but I've made use of a week's free trial of Paramount Plus and watched the entirety of the latest season of Ink Master. And <laughs> <God> <laughs> cheesy, as, as always. It's, it's always, it's always good fun. And I also binge watched the entirety of the Captain Pike Star Trek show, Strange New Worlds.
2: Right, yeah. Yeah. Is any good?
0: Which was really good. Okay. I, I, I was sceptical. I liked the character on Discovery, but... I also worried it was going to be like Discovery, which thankfully it wasn't.
1: Oh, yeah, is so Captain awesome. Pike the, the, the captain before Captain Kirk? And he's in that episode where he's in like with the with the beeper buzzer thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So like part of the show is that he's seen a vision that's going to happen and he keeps trying to stop it from happening. Oh. I say keep. Like it's one of those things where it's like a, a different story every week and they just tag on like the occasional don't forget about this <laughs> in <laughs> remember, the background.
1: Remember this might happen.
0: But uh, I thought it was good value for the zero pounds that I paid to watch okay. it, and that free trial has been officially cancelled as of twenty-five minutes ago. Sponsors. I mean, I couldn't find anything else to watch. I watched like ten minutes of that failure of Parents* reboot. Oh, well, what? My God, it was terrible. *Fairly
2: Parents* reboot. I hear about a lot of this stuff from Dee. <laughs>
0: Did I
1: have Doug Dimmendo of the Dimdale Dimendo? <laughs> <laughs> you mean Doug Dimmendo of the, the Dimdale
0: Um Well, not in the first ten minutes, I can tell you that. But oh. <laughs> it was it was live action, which was like the thing I was worried about. Oh. Like Cosmo and Wonder are, c- are cartoons, but it's live action, and it was like oh, it's making me shiver. Why? <laughs> it looks so cheap. It had a weird laugh track. Is it still Timmy Turner at the very beginning? Yeah, but his game is is giving him somebody else. I don't know why, but they completely ignored the, the film where Drake Bell plays him. Oh, well, <laughs> yes, good. well, well good. Good. <laughs> good. Good. Good, good, good. I, yeah. I wonder why. One of those little mysteries of life. Nothing
2: hmm. is safe. Nothing is sacred.
0: <laughs> what better way to celebrate Diane Warren following us on Twitter than covering one <laughs> of her many classics? This episode we are covering Leanne Rimes' Catfight the Moonlight from Coyote Ugly. So to find out what was happening in the world when the movie came out time for some history hi diane you doing okay
2: could be your year right august 2000 remember it well um <laughs> now <laughs> will see. see alex <laughs> i specifically ask you because oh, one of your favorite films came out in august 2000 and i mean that completely jokingly Oh, right, so it's not Shrek. (laughs) It's not quite ugly. (laughs) There's only one Jimmy Grimble. God. Now, listeners, you've probably never heard of this
0: film. I don't think I have. You've never
2: heard of... You've never heard of this film, D.
0: It doesn't ring any bells at all.
2: You've never heard of There's Only One... Alex, can you explain it in, like, less
1: than 30 seconds? Um, so there's don't a. Don't just say the film title. No, there's a there's a boy who finds a magic pair of football boots, uh, <laughs> but they're like really yeah. old boots, aren't they? They're like they're like yeah, ancient yeah. football boots, and he goes on to play for. Ma- he plays for like the Man City youth team. It's like yep, it's set yep. in Manchester, and but then there's a really great bit at the end where like uh, he tr- Man United tries to sign him. Yeah, aside. and he's like, "I'm City, City."
2: about
1: <laughs> 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 it stars it's it stars brilliant like Robert
2: Carlyle. Ray Winston.
1: <laughs> the two famous people from Manchester.
2: <laughs> um, we'll leave it there. Um, <laughs> I don't think... The, he never Anyone anyone else in the film didn't go on to anything. But that was the highlight in the cinematic stratosphere of this month. Not counting Kyogre, of course. Other films that stood out to me. Alvin and the Chipmunks Meet the Wolfman. Remember that one, well? <laughs> That's the crossover that we all needed. It made me also stand out because I thought, Can't Fight the Moonlight, Wolfman... Mm. Yeah. yeah, Maybe that's what Diane wrote.
1: Maybe she wrote it for that film.
2: <laughs> She'd just been watching Alvin and the Chipmunks. It was Me supposed
0: cool. to be Alvin singing <laughs> it.
2: Now, I also like having this thing where I find a weird, terrible film of the time and then show you guys the trailer. Okay, okay, yeah. uh, because we are an audio medium and I love to just make alienate our listeners, but I've come across something that I actually watched at the time and it's called Witchblade. Have you seen Witchblade?
0: Nope. Doesn't ring a bell. I am going to show
2: you the trailer of Witchblade and I want to know your thoughts because it is pure August 2000. It's pure August 2000. Oh, pure August specifically.
1: City. November 11th, 2000. Oh god, it she says it in the opening. TNT written. That,
2: that voiceover? Sure of the it's the voiceover. In the a world. Yes, <laughs> <This is>. Oh god.
1: <laughs> I feel like there's a real thing of like bad guys in this era, like having no collars.
2: (laughs) Yeah, or or
1: incredibly large collars. (laughs) I guess it's one of the other Oh my god, what is this? Oh no, they're not going to show us what the ancient artifact is? It's, it's a glove.
0: Surely, it's the name of the. It's a witch blade. It's the witch blade, but no, it's a it's glove.
1: Br- it's it's a glove, blade. but it's a glove with an eye. It's a glove with an
2: eye.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's reminding me like a. It's like a precursor to bulletproof monk. This. <laughs> yeah, it's a mixture between. Bu- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it
2: is basically
1: another great film from this period. <laughs> There is a lot of there's a lot of weather. Yeah, in yeah this you, film. you
2: might you might you can you can pause it because it, I think it shows the entire series in that one trailer.
1: Oh right, <laughs> oh, is it a TV show?
2: Hey, <laughs> it, it was made into a TV show. Yes, yeah. of course it was. So NYPD detective Sarah Pizzini's main goal in life was to bring down Tommy Gallo, the hit, Tommy Gallo I just got that the hitman who killed her <laughs> father, best friend, and eventually her partner. Um, Jeez! <laughs> while chasing down one of Gallus thugs, she acquires the Witchblade, an enchanted armored glove once used by Joan of Arc that deflects bullets. But why? Why would it need? Like, there wouldn't have been bullets in that time <laughs> why period it need to deflect bullets. <laughs> Good, well, well, that's because Joan of Arc had the Witchblade, Alex. But how did they know that bullets would be invented? Like, what is it made of? It also produces visions and neatly compacts itself into a bracelet.
0: That's that's convenient. And stylish.
2: Yeah. See, this, we need to go back to August 2000, because also in August 2000 came Coyote Ugly. Not really a segue, but, you know, here we are. Yeah. Should have done the old Alvin and Chipmunks one afterwards. <laughs> right. For anyone who is not aware, Coyote Ugly is an American musical, of sorts, comedy-drama film based on the Coyote Ugly Saloon in New York City, um, which is mostly famous because its bartenders dance on the bar. It had various rising and soon-to-be-quickly-fading stars, such as Piper Paribos, uh, as Violet Sanford, um, who leaves her small hometown in New Jersey to try and make it as a songwriter in the big city, where she takes up a temporal at Coyote Oakley, where she grows confidence, friendships, and a love affair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> from the earlier things you were saying, you guys have watched this very recently. Or rewatched it, should we say.
0: Yeah, I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise that I've watched this for the first time. In preparation for this recording, in that, full, that,
2: that's, that does surprise me.
0: In full is the that's the little addendum I there. Seen this. I remember trying to watch this many moons ago. Like, do you know when you have one of those sort of like flickering shards of memories, mm-hmm. and you can't quite tell if it's actually a real memory or something you put together or Mandela effect? Yeah, kind of. I've got this sort of memory of trying to watch this. Like, I'm going to say after like a Champions League match on on ITV,
2: <laughs> very weirdly specific.
0: So quite late. Because it would have been the news afterwards. Maybe I like fell asleep during the news and I woke up and it, this was on, and that's why it's all so, like a flickering memory. <laughs> that's
2: why, I wonder why it's stuck in your mind, Dietrich.
0: Anyway, anyway, I've watched it in full now. Yep, thoughts, thoughts. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm almost ashamed to say that I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> almost. Not in a uh, sort of "ooh, it's a girls' movie, I'll get cooties" way, but more in a sort of "this feels like every single Hallmark movie." christmas hallmark movie is is trying to be mm-hmm. yeah but i think unlike most hallmark movies i've ever seen i've not watched them all alex probably has
2: yeah oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah he probably has
0: i feel like this one has a bit more heart and a bit more credibility probably due to the song i suppose yeah um but it, i think it just feels like a, a bigger budget film presumably because it had an actual budget compared to the hallmark movies i'm comparing it to yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it just feels richer than it's made for tv equivalent, so maybe maybe that it sort of gets your guard down. Like, all the tropes are, are there, all oh, the cliches. I think a popular rock band once said it best when they said she's just a small town girl living in a lonely world, taking the midnight train to anywhere, mm-hmm. which in this case, New York City, and the city boy is from New South Wales, not <laughs> South Detroit.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. Are you, saying, are you saying this film was based entirely on <laughs> one song?
0: Well, I mean, it is. It is based on one song, just not the song by Journey. But if it was based on "Don't Stop Believing," then they took a lot of creative liberties to somehow fit in the bar into that scenario. I, I mean, yeah, yeah it's, I enjoyed uh, the film. I enjoyed the film
2: for, for a film based on. It was based on one news article in GQ about a bar. So <laughs> yeah. it's it. Well, the owner did well.
0: Yeah, was the bar called Coyote Ugly? Yeah. Oh right. Okay.
2: <laughs> so it's based in a bar, based on a bar in New York, which then became a chain.
0: Yes. I knew I do I do know that bit that it became a chain. I didn't know if it was something that became a chain since, because um, there's one in Birmingham. Oh really? I think there's yeah.
2: there one in Camden Market. There's a, there's a there's a bar where people seem to be dancing on it, but I don't know if that was a ugly
0: named place. Yeah. Well, I, I know there's one in Birmingham because we've got tickets to see Paramore in a few weeks, and my wife keeps going. Oh, we could we could go. We could go. You could do research for your podcast <laughs> sort of thing.
2: What a lovely wife.
0: And I'm like, uh, well, I don't really want to go. If it's like the films, uh, it seemed very sweaty and very cramped. I would rather have a table and sit down with a drink. But uh, sure, yeah, okay, I'll report back.
2: It's a good point. that It actually says that um, the bar in real life was quite hipster, but it comes across as very biker in the film.
0: Oh, yeah. In a fun way, guys. Mm. Go on now.
1: Well, I think I should caveat it by saying this is not for anyone who hasn't seen it, this is not a good film. This, yeah. It's not a good film. But yeah. but there is something about it that is just very easy to watch. Like like do you talked about like the Hallmark films. And I think like what kind of makes those films is that they sort of fall into like these sort of like rhythms and and cadences that you just they're just so well trodden that you just know them so he kind of lulls you along into thinking like it's like this is a film it's it's, it's like yeah it's like a a lazy river like arching like round sort of like a regular worn bend you just sort of just sit there and it just takes you to the (laughs) end of the film and you're like yeah (laughs) but i mean it's not good like i don't know what it's supposed i don't know what it's trying to be because it's it's certainly not a drama because there isn't any sense of like true jeopardy or or grit at all really i mean it tries to put force in there but none of it none of it really feels like like the, anything bad is going to come from it uh, but yet there is like no there's almost like zero humor in this film as well oh yeah yeah it's, it's remarkably like unfunny it's like it tries a couple of times but never really like commits nope. to being funny so nope. it's not it's not like a romantic comedy it's not like a like a kind of a drama in the in the the normal sense, so it's just sign that it. just kind of just exists in this world of just being <laughs> a film. <laughs> I don't really need to say more than that. It, even more so, Alex,
2: John Goodman's scenes, almost all of them were added post. Yeah, I, well, that, make, that oh, it makes feels like it oh, because <laughs> because apparently they, with or like I guess early audiences, they really liked his character, so they just made some more
1: scenes with John Goodman. But it's like there's the. I mean, to, while we're on John Goodman's character, like, what is going on with that character? Like, no, 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 there's no. there's a scene where he's like, they're they're all randomly they just appear at a wedding, which I don't I don't I don't know if it's because I missed a bit, but <laughs> this seemed to be like no setup to the wedding. They were just there, but they were there separately. And then yeah. he was like, da- then they started dancing to take a photo, and he was like, I'm i I've never thought I would say that I would be ashamed of you, right? Because she's dancing on on tables at Kaia Ugly. But then, like, all that really happens between there and him being okay with it is that he gets hit by a car. (laughs) (laughs) And then he's like... Changed your life, Al. Well, I could kind of get, like, oh, if you made him reassess things. There isn't really any reason why his opinion on that would change, because it's a very strong opinion that he has. Which, again, feels harsh, based on what he's seen her doing, which wasn't much. Well, mm-hmm. I, mean, they, well yeah. I mean, it was something. I guess I won't spoil anything that happens in the actual film for anyone who hasn't seen it. But I just... I just they, that character is just weird. It's just really yeah. weird. Yeah. And that is so, if, when he's in the hospital, there's like a really strange gag where one of the nurses has given him, like, cologne, and then he's going to take him on a date, and then he sends, and then like at the end, he's like, oh, suddenly okay with the guy ugly, because she's now, you know, had a successful song, and that makes it fine. Or he maybe just had... Hypoxia and he had a stroke. <laughs> well, I thought because they hinted a lot at, like him being unhealthy and stuff, and then when he they said he was in the hospital, I was like, oh yeah, obviously he's you know he's had some sort of heart attack or something. It's like yeah. oh, no, he's just been hit by a car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make sense. Does it? it does feel like it's alluding to like a um
2: some sort of weight related, yeah. yeah, sort of emergency. But, but
1: but for people who haven't seen it, you have never seen a person who has been hit by a car look so okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> speak yep. so normally. Like, just has a regular conversation with everybody like like nothing happened and then there's just a little hint later on that he's like well I mean of course I was in that car accident and it's like well <laughs> it's good to be reminded us because it could have been very easy to forget
2: yeah that's a it's a it's a, it's a weird one I think this is, I, I I don't mind the film um, when I rewatched watched it recently I think it's one of those it's like the music cheat code like I think if you put like make things musical or music based if the music's decent Hmm. It kind of gets like off a pass, similar to like you can win an Oscar by just singing well, even if your acting's pretty crap. I'm looking at you, Barbara. Oh. But I, it's, it is a, I think that's it. It's generally a cheat because people are like, oh wow, you know, people singing or people performing on stage, and it feels like you're at a concert or a gig where you're generally like, you know, taken away by the uh, the atmosphere and, you know, the bass and lots of peop- other people are around you enjoying themselves. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's what kyle Ugly does in a lot because a lot of it is those bar scenes. Or at least they're the only entertaining bits.
0: Yeah. I mean, what, what I would say is if I was, like, I don't know, 14, 15-year-old girl when this movie came out, I think I would be all about this movie. Like, just like 100% <laughs> thinking this is the coolest shit. Like, that'll be me in a few years. Most so, critics Clubbing, say, drinking, uh, dancing.
2: Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. But most critics hated this film because they said it was like cheap sex thrills for boys. Like, this is a boys film. Like, almost all the
1: critics said that it's just, like, it's just smut. Is it? It is a little bit male gazey at point. There's, there's that, like, well, yeah, there's creepy true. bits. Like, there's just the one part that really stood out to me where she's just on the phone to her dad, and for some reason, the the camera just really lingers in in specific areas. It's like why she's just on the phone speaking to John Good. I don't understand.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it definitely has that and does accentuate that. And I think there's also part of the general sex appeal they're trying to put forward for what the coyote ugly image is but i guess jerry brookheimer who produced it um he said like it's a film about female empowerment which i see but then most critics were saying like it's softcore pap <laughs> <laughs> like it's just a bit of like you know it's for horny boys and what was it that was there um peter travers of rolling stone said it's for horny boys and even and they're even hoarding a dad's <laughs> which is a very
0: uncomfortable (laughs)
2: image like come on son let's go and watch have we just
0: become like desensitized or something
2: i I don't i think because we it was a film i think when it's newer films and you have that more of a, a headspace when you're an adult maybe like it's very you can you can be easily um you know what is kind of going on in the general zeitgeist or in the media around you and critique it whereas when you're a kid you're not really critiquing you just kind of like put stuff on and like well yeah, you know, it's, it looks like it's like everything's exciting or everything's enjoyable. you just kind of like, do I like it or not? Did I enjoy it or not? And that's kind of it. I think the critiquing of uh, a purpose behind the film it doesn't really sink in.
0: Yeah, I can see that. And I mean, it sort of begs the question whether or not there was an intention behind the film as well.
2: Well, I, I, I see none.
0: <laughs> exactly.
2: The, the, the film was directed by a guy called David McNally, who was from Liverpool. He only has one other directing credit. Is it Jimmy Garoppolo? Okay, no, it's not. I wish there was that kind of connection. Uh, Kangaroo Jack. Oh no. <laughs> Do you remember Kangaroo Jack? What
1: uh, did you see? Yeah, that I don't though, I
2: yeah. It. And yeah, even though it was panned by the critics, it was it was a commercial success. It crossed one hundred and thirteen million dollars worldwide, and it has gained a bit of a cult following. I think I think there's a, a weird image of like seedy New York, you know, there's the, vent, the steam coming up from the vents of the night out, the kind of neon lights, there's something that seems to be alluring of that, even though it looks absolutely disgusting and duds.
0: Everything's wet.
2: Yeah, everything looks wet. It's never raining, but everything's
1: wet. Mm. But I you think that's kind of odd about the film, is that they go out of their way to show that side of the city, but actually everything that happens is like just super vanilla.
2: Yeah, I wonder if it's because it's like trying to look that um, where where someone starts and their 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 trajectory to the stars, you know. And, and she's singing in front of the concert. Not
1: and- <laughs> much of a trajectory was it? It was just like yeah, an outlet. She's she's fine. Well, I'm assuming. I think it's supposed to <laughs> allude to that she will go on to even more things. Well, no, that's what I mean. Like there there was no trajectory. It was just like from from like <laughs> yeah. nowhere to to, to 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 you know writing songs for Leanne Rimes randomly, <laughs>
2: <laughs> or oh, vice versa. <laughs> Kind of on the weird um, story of when you said about Noah Baumbach, (laughs) still can't get that out of my head, that's going to live rent free for a long time, (laughs) writing Madagascar 3, Um, Kevin Smith did a rewrite of the final script, which I think is very weird. You know who else did a, a, a draft of this script? Carrie Fisher.
0: Oh, but she was like famous for doing like <laughs> little, like, little yeah. rewrites.
2: Yeah, it was one of those like. There's so many. I think one person was credited in the end with the screenplay, but apparently Kevin Smith said it went through like so many people. Uh, you can kind of tell like a lot of it just feels like as we've as we've uh, discussed and Alex has kind of pointed out, it's all over the place. It's just tinkered to crap,
0: mm.
2: and yeah, you read the, you read the notes on the film. It was so like, oh, we need to go back and do that thing. This looks wrong. You know, even stuff on the bar, like they didn't realise how tall Bridget Moynihan was, so they had to redesign the entire bar (laughs) so she could actually fit. (laughs) There was all these kind of problems. But like I say, it's had a bit of a following. Um, So one of the very obviously popular elements of this film is the music. Now, there are a few songs that come up. All of them, which do appear in the film, are by Leanne Rhymes. But there is only one, one in particular, very famous, written by our lovely, hi, Diane. Diane Warren.
0: Shit, I wasn't ready. Sorry.
2: Go on. Diane Warren. It's for you, Diane. The song we're discussing is Fight the Moonlight, as we say, written by Diane Warren, performed by American singer Leanne Rimes on her second appearance on this podcast.
0: Mm -hmm. At least second, yeah.
2: At least second. So the song was released in the year 2000 for the film's album and was one of three songs that Leanne Rimes performed for the film, um, and the soundtrack was huge, like, and I think that drives the popularity of the film. It was a top forty album for over a year on the Billboard charts. Like, it sold over three million copies. I think Leanne Rhymes, This was kind of her. I won't, I won't say her peak because she kind of peaked at the start, but this was like the highest point before her drop off. This was like the last stand of her, and then it kind of, you know, she faded off into a lot of, I guess, just trying to be a normal twenty-something-year-old adult because that's something we will have to go into. But first. What are your thoughts on this song? Um well it's
1: obviously a banger. I mean Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> didn't you say anymore? Absolutely. Um when this film came out, this song was just like all over the music channels. And I think this is probably why the film is like in the subconscious of people of our generation so much is because the music video is obviously like clips from the film. <laughs> it's just it's just very vivid in my mind the music video of this song. <laughs> and her performance, but yeah, I don't, I don't really know what to say about the song other than it's just good and exceptionally catchy.
2: Or about how it was used in the film, because like, uh, well, I it... didn't
1: like its use in the film no. because the ending of this film is super underwhelming.
2: It is so underwhelming. <laughs> the
1: final performance, because so, like, for a minute, I who's not watched it, basically the the lead character, they kind of essentially make out that she has written this song. And it's then she performs this song at an open mic type event at the end, but it's like they just don't really give a lot of space for that scene. It's like over and done with really quickly, and it's just like shot in a really weird way. Like they don't even give like let her just perform it. It's kind of like well, it's probably because she's not performing it. (laughs) Well, well, yeah, I mean maybe, but it's it's weird. It's weird. So I don't like its inclusion. So just before. She performs it. the kind of is like the musical, uh, the the music the instrumental side of yeah, the song yeah, is played a little, it, a little yeah. bit for. I was like, oh, this! Is, I didn't realize this is when the song was used until then. She performs at the end, but yeah, I didn't love it. But the actual song itself. Because well, actually, they do go into the Leanne Rans version afterwards, don't they? From memory,
0: yeah,
2: yeah. Well, they even say late, like, "Yes, ladies and gentlemen, like, welcome Leanne."
0: <laughs> yeah, and she's in in the bar, sorry. and she's on the bar, yeah, yeah. which was a big surprise to me because I just thought that that was a performance for the music. Video. Yes, as today. So I, when she actually popped so. up, I was like, "Oh, oh shit, she's in the film." Yeah, yeah. As, as her,
2: yeah. yeah, I think she auditioned for the film, I keep properly, um, latest which latest also episode. also comes up with problems because um, which we will go on to talk to. Her. Yeah, what do you think, Dee?
0: As I like said, this song is it's a hundred percent a banger. I do love this song. It's one of the all-time great movie songs. Uh, I've written here by the the movie song "Go." <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening back to it. It hasn't just the song itself, no. It's used in the film. It made me realise that we don't sort of get these kind of pop songs nowadays. Like, just for example, the opening fanfare, as in the dun dun
2: <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun,
0: dun Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of burlesque, isn't it? <laughs> it's like it's like it goes. You need to take it. Pay attention here. Where most songs today will start with like a rise. That's so much better and it gets your attention. It just, it, it pulled me in every single time. The this, this song is definitely cheesy though. Sure. I, I don't think you can escape that. It's definitely cheesy, but it's a pop anthem attached to a cheesy movie. So is the cheese coming from the song or is the cheese coming from the film? I, I couldn't pull it apart. Yeah. Which yeah, yeah. I guess maybe t- attest to how good of a movie song it is. Yeah. The, I hear the song, I think the film, I think the film, I think the song. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's just a great pop track in its own right and uh I need more songs like this nowadays <laughs> well, everybody.
2: Uh I don't think Leanne's gonna give you any. So I was surprised after I've seen this video god must think how many times it was on my like MTV, you box, know EMF, yeah, but the box. The box. <laughs> yeah. Everything. All the music channels when we we're younger. She was seventeen when she filmed that. She's only seventeen the, years out. <laughs> she's only seventeen. I mean this is a constant issue with leanne rhymes is i guess her most of her career and success was pre-18 or at least in her teens like she's the youngest ever grammy award winner um at 14 her first album was you know huge she was big country and western star and then went through all the i guess the difficulties that any young star has in taking your parents to court um you know getting difficulties between who who was it conservatorship is it is that the word, oh, yeah. oh, oh yeah. yeah, whole Britney, you know, like of, I guess, who owns you, who owns the rights to your things, and that's really difficult. And it feels we they've made- they make her just from off, just look try and look so much older. And it feels weird that she auditioned for this film at like 17. I-, I think she realized either while she was auditioning or when she didn't get it, that was probably the right thing. But this is also in interviews I've heard of hers recently, mm-hmm. like looking back on her youth, so mm-hmm. she might be, I guess, looking at that from a different lens. But I guess it was just that this is what maybe her, where she was at that point in her career or girls of that generation of that age wanted to be, look like this, do these kind of things. And I guess that relates to a lot of the critical response to the film as well at the time.
0: Yeah, I guess that sort of goes back to what I was saying about like if I was of that age and a young girl, I'd be obsessed with this film, like yeah. the, the look, the like the aesthetic of the film.
1: Yes. That was like the camaraderie as well, and things like that. Like, they make it seem like a really. Ca- well, it's sleazy, but nice. Like a sisterhood. To well, yeah, like a cause sisterhood. There's, that, there's that side of it, isn't it? It's so, like they always have each other's back within the bar. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's those, like, secret rules and stuff like that, isn't it? It feels like you're part of something. It's the whole, um, what's the, you know, the initiation difficulty that they have in America of, like, frats and um, fraternities and sororities of that. You feel okay to do it to others because you've had it done to you. And this feeling like, oh, I'm part of something now. Because I know that, like the secrets, and I've you know uh, suffered, which a lot of the people seem to do in the film when you're new. You know like you get criticised and jokes and laughed at, but then you become one of them, and therefore it feels like you've you've almost made it through to a point of oh, I'm accepted in a very um, special group. But the thing, like I mean, I think we're often desensitized to, to it in Britain with the different ages. But she's she would have been four years away from being able to actually go in that bar without without fake ID, which uh, they, the film was very quick to bush aside when, during press releases when people brought this up. So um, <laughs> for even even back then, they were aware of
0: it. She was closer to going to the, the UK Coyote Ugly, though.
2: She Well, she, she could have gone to the Birmingham one. I feel like the Birmingham like Coyote, Coyote Ugly 2 Birmingham Boogaloo would have been a different film.
1: <laughs> it sounds like the kind of film that I want to see, but <laughs> never mind. it's up a Kickstarter, the Alex. Birmingham Boogaloo.
2: <laughs> yep it's the only time that kind of kind of slightly worked Piper Peribo she did make it in Hollywood but maybe she'll make it in Villa <laughs> so Piper Peribo the lady who is like the main character of the film who was one of those people I feel like I always recognize her face and I don't know if it's just because of this film but she went on to very little <laughs> Um, I think she might have had nominations for various things in like TV or like soaps, but she never had that uh, in in an ironic sense to how the film is trying to go. She never made it. <laughs> but Leanne Rhymes' voice is used as her voice, it's just shifted oh. in key. So when Piper's singing as Leanne Rhymes, is Leanne Rhymes just in a different key? Or it's been slightly edited afterwards and docked. So when she's singing with Piper it's just her singing it's twice yeah so like she's duetting she's with herself. herself
1: yeah it's interesting that like, because when 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 she was doing that performance it was really thin the voice sounded really thin and that's what led to, like lent itself to me being like really underwhelmed but it. it's like it's not a very powerful performance whatsoever because like the thing is like they make such a big thing about her music but her music is terrible <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, i yeah, would yeah. not sign yeah. her so <laughs> and there's that weird scene where there's that guy across the way like uh dancing to like r&b music and then she starts like freestyling and it's like this sounds terrible oh god terrible! i hate that scene i hate that scene i almost
0: didn't want her to make it (laughs) i felt like it was written for pitch perfect
1: oh god oh yeah it is a bit of that (laughs) at least there was a bit of tongue-in-cheek with pitch perfect this was just like completely on oh yeah it's just it's the it's the part when she she like can't
2: sing and you know they keep playing the refrain the music and you're like oh no she can't do it there's no point in that film.ing Like, yeah, she's just gonna go off and that's it. <laughs> it's obvious that like, she's gonna she's gonna look at the you know the boy, or, and all of a sudden she's got her confidence. Yeah. Um, what did he? I think does he give her like a little bit of completely pointless informa- uh like motivation? Um, I feel like he says something like, "Imagine you're somewhere" or something like that.
0: Oh, in the shower.
1: He, well, that that is a, at the one point. There's a part where there's like he has loads of like cardboard cutouts and stuff. Oh yeah. But he, yeah. He'd, he'd, oh, the, yeah. The, the whole thing is that he like turns the lights off. So that she can't see the audience.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, in, yeah. th- this is the song that she's, I guess, building up to writing, isn't it, through the film. It's going to be her big break into <laughs> yes. the music business. <laughs> I mean, it would work. Well, I mean it would work because it, it is a tune. So, I mean, it was a very, very, very popular song. Um, reached the top 20 in every country it charted in. Um, it was number one over here in the UK. Of For course. only one week, though. Surprising. Number one yeah. in Australia. And it was triple platinum in both here and in the uh, in Australia as well, which is pretty huge. And it was her last song to make it into the top forty in Billboard Hot One Hundred. Um so it peaked at number eleven and that was kind of her career. This is where it dropped. Like I say, she went she went on a big hiatus, she was trying to sort herself out, she tried to continue into pop, but I guess it almost these songs kinda of still do have a touch of that country root. Like it's yes, not—it's like a, right, it's yeah. a pop song, but it's not like a, it's not like electrified, is it? It's still very like um, quite subdued, just like the vocals kind of dominate. Um, it's kind of like a, like a Shania Twainy sort of country, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's not. Well, I guess not alienate people that like dance music. This feels like it has more weight to it because it uses real yeah. instruments.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's probably a good way of putting it. It's kind of Diane's style, though, isn't it? Like the yes. other songs we've yeah. covered by her are kind of similar, like except for the one last year, which was like more of like uh was a little bit different, was it? it? was from that Italian film from memory.
0: Was that last year? Was that last yeah? That? Was, I think that was last awesome. year,
1: yeah. But the one from the year before, which we also covered, was like a, a country song, but again I can't remember the film.
0: No, no, last year was last the Oh, was that
1: the one last year? Was right. it the year before that it was the Yeah. Sorry. The the end, right, yeah. Right, right, right. yeah. So that the one last year was, like, much more, like, the, this kind of style. Like, yeah, it was in the Mila
0: Kunis film, wasn't it? Yes, yep. yes, yes, yeah.
1: So this is the, her normal, like, and, and, like, as well, like, uh, the song from Con Air and and, and uh, Aerosmith as well. They're all kind of uh, similar in that they're sort of, like, country rock. Yeah, you know, yeah,
2: style. I mean, you can tell how her career was going because she released her greatest hits album at 21. Mm. I mean, But how many
0: albums had she had by then? <laughs>
2: Uh, it's a good question. I, I don't know. I know her main big album was called Blue, which she released, I think, when she was 14. And that was where most of her success came off.
0: Let me Google it. What, what year was it when it came out? Sorry. Blue. Uh, no, the, the greatest hit. Sorry.
2: Oh, I think it's 2003.
0: Okay. It was 2003. She had one, two, three, four, five, six. She does seven albums by that point. Oh my God.
2: Uh, you, yeah. I, I think her, her dad like, drove around the country from the age of nine, like, performing. It's, yeah, uh, I'm just looking
0: now. The first album came out when she was nine years old.
2: I mean, it's it is pretty abusive, really. It's, yeah. it's difficult when, I guess, when maybe a child is enjoying it, but I don't know. It's just, it, it, it's laden with all, like, you, you if she's enjoying it, she could just perform in her hometown. She could just perform locally. You don't have to take her around the entire country at nine.
0: She could just perform a local coyote Ugly bar. <laughs>
2: maybe not. <Maybe laughs> or oh, that local
0: not. bar in New Jersey that plays I Will Survive.
1: <laughs>
2: Yeah. People sometimes describe this as Britney Spearsian, <laughs> which is an actual term, you know <laughs> surely is I I don't think it does sound like Britney Spears song. I can see it a little no. bit.
0: Is it just a female pop star of the time? Have it just yeah. gone who's the biggest star at the moment? It's like her.
1: May, yeah, I mean that's that that's very much like that was the Christina Aguilera comparisons, I suppose, wasn't it as well? I think that like intro that Dee highlighted could be a little bit
0: Spearsian. Yeah. It'd have to be more more electro sounding. That sort of electro sound she Britney had on all her original songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The bow, bow sound. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Um, of all the... there was various like you know like um snippets and um cuts from critical receptions from various huge magazines. You know, Rolling Stones, um, like laden with various positives. Of all the things to get added to like a Wikipedia page, Noble dot com praised the song, <laughs> calling it ultra catchy. <laughs> is that the bar of musical criticism? Barnes and Noble? Do we have Barnes and Noble over here? Mm, no.
1: Um,
0: is, it, is it like it's like being Q, right? I thought it was it a bookseller. Oh, right,
2: it's an actual. It is a bookseller.
1: Yeah. All yeah, oh, so. right. Okay. Oh, w H Smiths, I suppose, would probably be a good comparison because W H Smith sells like CDs and stuff, and I would they did at one point in his life, so it's probably similar to that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so like this niche. Uh, not to you guys, but to our audience, this is niche. And stop me if you've heard this story, guys. There used to be a nightclub in Leeds called the Cockpit. Nice, yes. good nightclub, yep. decent price drinks. Always stank. That stink of like British very... heritage of you being a, in the nightclub. Yeah, it's very, <laughs> it's very. Sticky. I've earned my night. Out. It was very sticky, and the walls were wet. Oh,
2: always wet. In fact, it was like it was like the streets of New York. But you could you could do that amazing thing where you could stand in the middle really well and be like, no, this is the room I'm going to go in for the next three and a half minutes.
0: Yeah, there was three rooms of which. Two, we only ever went in, which was the main room had rock music, and the second room had pop music. Our favorite room was generally the second room. If I, I think it's <laughs> yep. fair to say. Mm-hmm. Nope. So yep. every week for a while, I would request "Can't Find the Moonlight" to the DJ, and it gets scrunched up face followed by a head shake. I mean, that's just you can request anything anywhere, and that is the response you'll get. <laughs> that I mean, that is true. I, I mean, I did this for weeks. We like every Saturday night play, <laughs> play "Can't Find the Moonlight." No, same again. No. So on and so forth until eventually at some point, I can't remember how many weeks and months it had been, I went to the DJ booth and before I could even say it, he went, I've got it, I'll play it, stop asking. <laughs> you were the cat of fight the moonlight guy? <laughs>
1: I would have preferred it if you'd have said you'd have walked up there and like without him even saying anything, it just went, ding, ding,
2: <laughs> as he walks in and you get on that very, very, very small bar at the cockpit.
0: basically he played it and it got a good reaction and it felt like my crowning achievement of uh being (laughs) like 18 19 going out uh drinking in clubs Uh, i mean the cockpit did close down a few years later but i am not taking any responsibility for that (laughs) i bet the sounds of it still lingering in
2: those empty holes
0: oh yeah r.i.p the cockpit top
2: five i've alluded to this already but with top five where do you think i'm going
0: Top five coyotes. Ooh, close. Ooh. Close. Top five uglies. No.
2: <laughs> top five uglies. Now that <laughs> could have landed five. us in a bit of hot water. Is it top five Lead Rimes? No, no, no. <laughs> it's can't fight in the moonlight. What's always fighting the moonlight? Werewolves. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> I wonder right. why you've already so heavily at the now, beginning. Not, we've, already, we've already gone. Alvin and the chipmunks meet the wolfman. So that one's out. I've combined lists, as I do, from Rotten Tomatoes, Collider, Empire, Screen Rant, and about six others to f- put together.
1: What are the internet's five most-favorited werewolf films? So are these films where, like, a werewolf is, like, the main, like, a main character, like, a central character? It's not, like, The Prisoner Rask of Azkaban, for instance.
2: Okay, 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 <laughs> Harry Potter. No, Harry Potter was in, I did not see it in any lists. So these are probably what you describe as maybe werewolf
1: films. Yes, yeah, like monster yeah. movies type things. Yes. Okay. All, all the universal classics. Um, love, American yeah, Werewolf uh, in London. Number
2: one. One of the best films ever. Um, American Werewolf. Also a great song. We should, co- yes, we should do that. We should, we, should do that. we should do
0: that film. Yeah, we should. Dead yeah. Moon Rising. Uh, the Wolfman. The
2: Wolfman number two.
1: Go on. You're doing well. <gasps> Could they do it? No.
0: Werewolf. <laughs> are you done? <laughs>
1: yeah. Isn't isn't there an American werewolf in Paris? I don't know. I'm making that up. Mm, no. Is it just a film called American Werewolf? <laughs> Come on.
0: Uh werewolf films. Is there any werewolves in Blade?
1: No. There, th- so- there isn't. There's one played by Triple H. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, Twilight. Twilight.
2: Twilight was on a few lists, but it's not good. People were very quick to not put that <laughs> at the top of many of their lists. <laughs> Um, British film, 2002 so I, think, I think it's set in the Scottish Highlands Black Sheep oh, and It's one of the best
0: I'm assuming it's not Black I've got, Sheep I've though. got a
2: steelbook of it on my wall and it says a bitch of a werewolf movie on it Dog Soldiers Have you seen Dog Soldiers? No, I've never heard of oh, it Oh no. god, You've got to see Dog Soldiers I don't know if you'll get the others One of them is a film I haven't seen since I was about 12 it's a Canadian, 2000 Canadian, uh, starring um, no one.
1: <laughs> what Thanks it's it's it called big... Ginger Snaps. Oh, I was going to say, it's not Big Wolf on campus, the film. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs>
2: literally. No, I'm surprised no one even mentioned it. Anyone of our era, so, you know, aged between 30 and 31. <laughs> We're not 31. I'm 32. No!
1: How good was Big Wolf on Campus? This should break Big Wolf back. on
2: Campus was absolutely. I watched it recently, about six months ago back. It's shocking. Absolutely <laughs> shocking of a TV show. <laughs> um, the other film is a great horror film called The Howling. Mm. You need to watch more horror
0: films. I do. I do. Yeah. I was going to say the Marvel one. We
1: got the top two.
2: You got the top two, yeah. Uh, I'm, I don't know. I, I, was, I thought you might only get one, so I'm happy. I'm very Have happy. Have you
0: guys seen uh, Werewolf by Night?
2: Werewolf by Night.
0: The MCU uh, Halloween special. No, oh, you should watch it. It's really good.
2: Yeah, cool. I, I shall, I shall endeavour to do that. I see a demon. Oh, I could watch that. Watch
1: CCR, that. TCB by CCR.
2: Yep, <laughs> can we just do an entire podcast on CCR songs because isn't there, C- isn't there, quite a few CCR songs in films? Uh, yeah.
1: There's that one, American Sun or whatever it's called, which is in every the Vietnam. The one that's in <laughs>
2: every Vietnam film, isn't it? What's the
1: what's it called? I think it's called American Sun. It's called something like that. Yeah, Talking um, about the red, white and blue. Fortunate son. Fortunate
2: son. He's not
1: fortunate yes. son. Is a
0: fortunate son. So now it's time for us to decide what is better. The movie Coyote Ugly or the Leanne Rhymes banger, Can't Fight the Moonlight. Alex, you go first this week, as always.
1: It's definitely song.
0: Definitely song for me this week.
1: I just, I don't even, I don't feel like there's any justification needed. If you've, if you've seen the
0: film and heard the song, it's an obvious, obvious choice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I agree. And I don't even think you need to have seen the film. I think if you'd have asked me this last week before I'd watched the film properly, I'd still be saying song. You
1: knew what you were going to say. Okay. Well, I mean, clear. I mean, it means a lot to you this song, too, by the sounds of it.
0: I genuinely don't know why I always used to ask for that one song. I just, I think I remember just saying that, thinking this will go down well with this crowd, and it just became a thing that I asked every time. <laughs> ben,
2: yeah, it's the song. I mean, Leanne Rams has got two of the like Hall of Fame
1: movie songs. Um, I don't know what's better, this or How Do I Live? Yeah, well, I was going to ask, what's the best Diane, War- Diane Warren song that we've covered? That's what we should have done. Instead the of best Diane Warren song. We've covered. That we've covered, yeah. So far. Because there's many we haven't.
2: Yeah, I mean, the best Diane Warren song is um, Don't Want to Miss a Thing. <sighs> Probably. It's a good yeah. song. And I'd say... But you know, like... You know, like I, I think How Do I Live is better than Can't Find a Moonlight.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Okay. I disagree, but not wholeheartedly.
2: <laughs> I think that's, that's enough for me, D.
0: Ask me you. again next week. <laughs>
2: I'll pull you over this fence.
0: Okay, so that brings us into another episode of that song from that movie. Let us know which one you prefer, the movie or the song, on one more than one social media platform now. So on Twitter, Instagram, and Hive. Ben, what is our handle?
2: At TSFTMPod.
0: So, yeah, we're on many different places now, so you need to follow all of them. Well done. Uh, so you can help the podcast by sharing this on a random subreddit. But uh, Alex, what random subreddit should they share it on this week? Um, Johnny Knoxville. Oh, ah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait,
1: wait. Uh
2: I've not. I've not got it. I've not got it.
0: Uh, have you seen the movie Coyote Ugly? Ben.
2: Oh right. Okay. <laughs> I was like trying to make weird connections. Like I thought he'd gone so out of the box. <laughs>
1: no, really
0: simple. He was in the film. <laughs> I did look into this. He's in the film, but it's, this is before the first episode of Jackass I've read. That's weird.
1: But that also makes more is sense because it? It really? of the scene. Because he doesn't. He, there isn't much to it.
0: Yeah. So they they said what was it? August. God, and I do Jackass, not
1: remember him.
2: I do not remember him at all. Uh, Jackass
0: was October the same year.
2: I don't. I, I do not remember at all.
0: It's not a very memorable. Well, it's not even really a cameo because he wasn't somebody.
1: It also had, um, uh,
0: is it Caitlyn Olsen? Is that her name? Yeah. From Always Sunny. She was in it as well. She was in the auction, yeah. yeah. The weirdest bit was um, the photographer that was Michael Bay. Oh, was that? Was it? <laughs> 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 really? Well, wow. You can already tell that Michael Bay likes this film. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. Not, it wow. probably inspired him for Transformers. He, he was probably the one who put the car accident just like one <laughs> step closer yeah. to
1: an explosion in
2: the film. <laughs> maybe he just literally just hit John Goodman.
0: <laughs> Why is John Goodman? Just bounced so- off him. <laughs> is, there, is there a car crash in the first Transformers? Are we like, realising they're set in the same universe?
2: Maybe maybe Bumblebee hit him.
0: Yeah, let's go with that.
2: There's a reason he's on the run.
0: Coyote Ugly is Transformers canon. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Uh, so you can all help the podcast by telling your friends, sharing this, signing up to our Patreon, buying our merch. All the links are in the episode notes. All that's left now is to do some goodbyes. So it's goodbye from myself, goodbye, and goodbye from Alex. Not a dry seat in the house. (laughs) (laughs) It
1: makes some (sighs) sense. sense.
0: (laughs) And goodbye from Ben.
2: I'm literally reading the script from Madagascar Three, and I just don't understand.
0: (laughs) It's it's, it's brilliant. (laughs) It's matched up. So goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.
2: You know, I did it. Dinkleberg. <laughs> Dinkleberg.
0: What superpowers?
2: It <laughs> so, could oh, go to it's like being back in year seven, <laughs> just quoting fairly old parents.